You're listening to the Full-Time Function Musician Podcast, episode six. You're listening to the Full-Time Function Musician Podcast, the number one resource for growing your function musician business. If you're a solo wedding singer, part of a 12-piece luxury show band, or anything in between, and want to learn from other successful musicians, you're in the right place. You are listening to the Full-Time Function Musician Podcast, and I am your host, Jack Twiner. I've got an awesome guest lined up for you today. Steffi is a really down-to-earth woman with loads of experience in the industry. We get into a conversation about the Musicians' Union and how helpful that has been to her and to other gay musicians. We also get into how important it is to have like a community, even something as simple as a WhatsApp group with other musicians. Um, and on that note, I want to remind any past listeners, or if this is your first time listening, tell you about the Facebook group that I've started to go alongside this podcast. The aim there is to build a community group to help each other grow and thrive, answer questions and offer advice, and just generally help each other. If you're interested in finding that, you can search the full-time Function Musician community on Facebook. This is one of the earlier episodes I recorded, so apologies, you're going to have to listen to me sounding a bit more awkward. Um, But yeah, anyway, that's enough from me. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Steffi Lorena. Welcome to the Full-Time Function Musician podcast. On today's episode, we have Steffi Lorena. Steffi has been a full-time singer for the past 10 years, and that has taken her all over Europe to places like Spain, Denmark, and Sweden. Steffi, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. So to kick things off, I'd like to just go back a bit in time to the start of your career and what got you started as a musician, where where that whole thing started, basically. Um, bit of a funny one for me, really. I was on holiday in Mallorca, no, Menorca, when I was about eight. And, uh, you know, there was like a mini club and they used to put on little shows and I like got involved in the shows and everything. So when I got home, my mum and dad enrolled me into like, you know, like a stage school, like a Saturday school where you'd learn singing, dancing, drama. So I went along to that and um, just fell in love with it. So I was there from about eight till I was 16. Then I left there and then I worked there for them. Um, And then also in high school. So year seven, so I'll be 11, 12, I started playing guitar then. And then uh, the rest history, really. But when I got to, how old was I, 18, I was a holiday rep in Mallorca for Thomas Cook. And it's like in the nighttime, you know, the reps would all go out and we'd have a drink and get up on the karaoke. Um, and I love that. So a year or so later, I got a random Facebook message from a lady saying, hi, Steph, I've heard you can sing. We're looking for a resident singer in our bar, if you'd be interested. And I was like, okay, then. So that was like my first professional job as a singer. Like I went into it pretty much. Yeah, so that's like pure chance, basically, then. Basically, yeah, I literally fell into it. Like I'd set up the groundwork for it, but I never, ever thought that I'd do it as a job. I think at the time. No, yeah, no ambition to it, to it at the time. I did have the ambition, but I think it was, like, I think I was in a position that a lot of people would have been in where I didn't physically know how to get into doing it. You know, like, I didn't know how to get gigs. I didn't know. I think I thought it was, like, something, like, really scary that it was going to be really difficult to get into. But I kind of, yeah, I was given this opportunity. I'd done, you know, open mic nights and little local things before, like non-paid to build up my confidence. But I'd never actually, until that moment, done anything on a professional level. I'd done, I'd done college. I studied performing in college. Uh, I say I did the stage school. 
But that was like my first sort of big break, if you want to say, you know, that was like what got me into the industry. And you say that was a, a residency? Yeah, so that was like seven nights a week for the entire summer. That's quite a good first gig, really, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, hard first gig. Yeah. Um, but it was doing a bit of singing, a bit of karaoke, so it sort of eased me way into it. And that sort of got me used to like sound tech type stuff as well. But it was basically learning on the job. It was right, there you go, get on with it. And I was like, oh, okay then. <laughs> you know? So, yeah, but it was great. I, you know what, I would do anything to go back and relive that first year because it was unbelievable. <laughs> 18, well, how old was I then? I think I was 20, 21, carefree, living in Mallorca, having a great summer. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Um, so how long, were you, how long did you do that for? How long were you at, at the residency for? I did the... A year, then I went somewhere else doing a similar thing. Then I went back to them. And then I got, uh, I auditioned for like a big agency on the island who um, supplied entertainment for the hotels. So that was when I moved into then more like formal work singing in all like the hotels across Mallorca, which was amazing. And then that's when I became an Adele tribute. Um, again, something I fell into. Because the agent said to me, Steph, I can get you more money if you go out um, as a tribute act. Who can you do? And I was like, uh, possibly Adele. <laughs> and then Adele was born. So <laughs> it's funny. So most of my things have happened by chance. <laughs> yeah. Do you still do the Adele tribute now? You know what? I don't. I love Adele. I think she's a great act. But the problem I found with Adele is people tend to love her or hate her. And when you lie, because obviously the songs are, can be quite slow, if, if people aren't coming to that gig because they absolutely worship Adele, then it's kind of like you've lost them before you've even started because they're like, oh, and Adele, this is going to be miserable. So I've moved away from that now. I kind of left that behind at COVID and uh, moved on to other things now. How did you find the um, the the hotel? Res- uh, was it residencies at hotels as well? or I, I tend to go... I tended to work on a rota, so it'd be like I I do one week of one lot of hotels, the second week of another lot ho- of hotels, and then go back to the beginning. So it was like a two week rota. How did you find them different from the residency? Did, did was it? Did you have have to be a bit more professional or? Oh yeah, completely, really professional. You know, the show had to be polished, um, and you had like tend to have like a compare. You'd have the mini disco. You'd have all things going on. You'd be introduced. There'd be just it's more of a stage production than going up there and kind of doing your thing but then you've got the logistics of the hotel as well getting in and out of the hotel so a lot of these are really big hotels and this little me with all my gear lugging into hotels um so it was hard work and a lot of driving as well like the other gig when i did the residency i could just like stumble out of my apartment into the hotel and you could have a drink and a laugh whereas with this you know you were setting off hours before to get there early. There was a lot of hanging around and yeah, it was, uh, it was hard work, but it was, it was rewarding as well. I'd say that was similar to doing sort of the club scene over here, like the social clubs. It was a similar type of thing to that. So where did you move on to after the hotels? I, I did that pretty much for most of my time in Mallorca. Um, I did some bars and restaurants at the same time, just like where I got myself, not with the agency. And a lot of that is just through like sort of reputation and word of mouth and um, friends saying, oh, I've got a friend here who's good. 
get me into places and then once they know you then they like you it just kind of sticks and the word gets around um but then at that time was was there anything you were doing to sort of market yourself at all or was it just literally word of mouth um no i did market myself but at that time i didn't have any sort of like official promo type of material um being in new york and it, it wasn't that easy to sort of do um especially since my career started in new york um but you know i had social medias i put um videos from my gigs up on the social media I'd often, you know, frequently post on social media to try and build a bit of a presence and sort of just networking as well, getting to know places, going in and introducing myself into places, um, just getting the word around as much as I could, really. Just like my, see, Steffi Lorena is my stage name and Steffi Lorena is a bit of a character um, and I, I wear, like, sort of the 1950s type clothing, do my hair the same, the makeup the same. The music doesn't always reflect that, but I would say I do sort of specialise in 50s sort of rock and roll music. But it builds a character. Instead of just being myself, Steffi Lorena is a character. Um, and I think that helped as well because it helped me to be a bit more confident. I think like I was playing a role instead of just being me. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's a branding thing as well, isn't it? It, it creates a brand that's like the easy, easily identifiable and yeah, yeah. Um, and easier to market as well. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So what social media were you using? Is that Facebook, Instagram, anything else? Um, Facebook and Instagram, Twitter, it would have been at the time. Now I've moved into sort of the TikTok thing since COVID, and I enjoy doing that. But a lot of the social media that I do isn't actually directly involved into my work. Yeah. It's more about building, as you say, that character and that you know, like to, to be likable and personable to people and stuff. I post a lot of quite funny things and um, me doing stupid stuff. And I think when people like you, it makes them more inclined to go and see you, basically. You know, you might think... Absolutely. No like and trust. That That's that's the goal, right? Before anyone's going to hire you or, or go and see you. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, a lot of the most successful people on social media are sharing sharing their lives um, rather than just sharing their work. Yeah. Because um, of because of that exact reason, yeah, it gets people get to know you. Yeah, I don't share anything too personal, but I share enough that they think that it's personal. Do yeah. You know, do you know what I'm saying? You know, they get to know me as it as a character, and um, I think it works. You know, I've got I've got a relatively good following, um, and I'm never sure to work, so I must be doing something right yeah do you have um any sort of um plan behind your social media any sort of like schedule like this goes out on this day that goes out on that day or is it just sort of ad hoc what whatever comes to mind kind of thing um i used to be a lot more regimented than i am to be honest at the moment i'm on my own with a little boy <laughs> so it's a bit more ad hoc than it used to be but i do you know i'll release my schedule usually by wednesday so i can say everybody right this weekend i'm on here 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 and here to try and give them a bit of a chance <laughs> you know to organize themselves if they want to come and see me um, but other than that it just kind of tends to be when i get a minute busy single mum life um so yeah it's just you know if i find something funny i'll share it if something funny happens to me because i'm one of those that if it can happen it will happen to me you know so i'll share that um yeah, I'd say I used to be a lot more regimented with it, and I would like to be again, but at the moment, I'm not. Yeah, yeah like I said, it is finding the time. Um, so I assume you're not in Mallorca anymore. 
No, I'm, I'm in Liverpool now. When did when did you move back? I moved, I moved back in November 2018. So the year before COVID struck, I um, and it was really strange. You know, I I'd, um, I had this feeling that I wanted to go home, and I'd been there for years. Like I first went to New York when I was 18, nearly 19. So it was a long time. I was nearly just I just turned 28 when I moved back. So you think that's quite a long time, isn't it? Um, and I just had this feeling I wanted to go home. I had a bar, sold me bar. Um, I used to sing in my bar as well. Uh, sold that, moved home, got myself set up here, got some gigs, started out small, introduced myself to people, to agents, you know, got a few bars on side. They gave me work and then, Again, it just sort of snowballed from there and other places got on. Then we had COVID, lovely COVID. The work was gone. Um, got pregnant then <laughs> in COVID. Um, so I had my maternity leave. And then I came back and fortunately a lot of places took me back. And again, I auditioned for some agencies, more agencies. They got me the work. And it just keeps going. It just kind of not runs itself, but more or less runs itself. Now, I don't have to put this massive effort to chase places now. It tends to just organically come to me now, the way. So is most of your most of your gigs coming through agencies? I'd say it's a 50 split for me. Um, I have regular places, bars that have me on a route. I say some once a month, some every two months, some every three, some every six, you know. And they all kind of, there's that many that they kind of, it just keeps itself rolling. But then for the rest of the day, I have agents as well and they'll ring me, Steph, can you do this? And then it's a yes or no, depending on fees, location, is it worth me time? I think that's been, that's been one of my most important things to learn, I think, over the years. And one of the biggest mistakes and something I'd say to anybody starting out would be to know your worth. Um, and to price yourself right because I've done it too many times but I've gone home and gone that wasn't even worth me doing you know when you analyse it you think your time spent your fuel everything you think I don't even know why I did that but when you're starting out you're so keen to just get the work that you lower your value you know so it's, that's one of, been one of my hard lessons but I'm getting there now how, how, how do you value yourself as then what, what, how do you set your prices do they change over time? Do they change different points of the year? Do they change when you're busy, when you're not so busy? I think there's an element of it being, you'd have to look what's going in the area. So for example, Liverpool, I'd say the going rate for say a typical Friday, Saturday night, two forty-five minute sets would be 150 to 200. Um, so you need to know what everyone else is charging because you don't want to be undercutting everyone. As well, do you know what I mean? I think it's important as musicians to be like united with each other. And I've always made sure, like, I'm friends with musicians, like all the local singers. We have a WhatsApp group. We put things in there, and we all tend to stick together. And you know, we try and push for the better fees. We don't undercut each other. Um, and then also, we've got to obviously factor in your life. So you know how much you need to make in order for your life to be sustainable. Um, like I don't have any other job. This is my job. I do a bit of hairdressing, but I don't class that as my source of income. Um, 
you've got to go, well, well what's it going to take for me to make money out of this and pay the bills? So you have to work that out. Obviously, you have to work out little bits. It all adds up. Your insurances, you know, like your public liability insurance, what you pay to the union. So I'm in the Musicians' Union, which is an absolutely amazing thing, and I encourage everybody to join. Um, they've really helped me out. What kind of benefits um, does that have? The union? Yeah, oh, I, don't, I don't know anything about the Musicians' Union, so yeah, tell us. Oh, the Musicians' Union is fantastic. So just say you are cancelled for a gig last minute. You know, you're about to leave the door and they say, sorry, it's quiet or we've got football on. And that's you out of a night's work, isn't it? You know, you've got miles to feed, you've got bills to pay. They can chase the money for you, you know, and give you the tools in order to be able to retrieve the money. And if, you know, you can teach you all about contracts and stuff like that as well. They can help you in situations like that. They can help you in legal situations. Um Unfortunately, when was it? About three years ago, I had a miscarriage and they helped me during that time as well. Um, I had payments from them during COVID. Um, they help you with all kinds of resources in the music industry, how to develop your career. Um, it's just unbelievable. I can't understand why everybody doesn't join it. it I've had more money out of them than I've put into it. And obviously, I'm not in it just to get money from them. Yeah. But... You know, I've been in situations such as COVID where it's been, they've been a lifeline and, you know, they've really guided me through tough situations in the past. Um, the, you know, they do, there's so many resources on there. Anyone, literally any musician needs to look at it because you, you get public liability included in your subscription as well and insurance so you can leave your equipment in your car. It's, it's a no-brainer, really. It's like 19 quid a month. So, I mean, for what you get out of it, it's well worth it. Well worth it. I mean, any, any insurance is going to cost you pretty similar to that anyway, right? Yeah, exactly. It's nothing. But it's the best investment that I've ever done is join the union. You just feel like you've got that bit of backup. Yeah. And they set price guidelines as well, what as a musician you should be earning. And it's all on the website as well. You can check it out, you know, what type of musician you are. And it says, like, times like timeframes of how long you've been working and stuff and what you should be charging approximately for your time and travel. Well worth it. A great resource. Yeah. So um, go back in time a little bit again, back to when you moved um, yeah. from Menorca, wasn't it? Um, Mallorca that, Mallorca then. Um, yeah. So yeah. that must have been pretty scary. Did, you, did it feel like you had to completely start again from scratch or or did you have some sort of connections here oh no i started from scratch i'd managed to save a bit of money over the summer to come back and get myself set up in a house um but as far as work went it was just i just had to get on with it i just had to try and get it and then if it wasn't going to work then i would have had to have just got a normal job but fortunately it did work i don't even know how it works it just sort of did i know i, I mean i tried of course um, I was really lucky in a sense as well because a lot of people have found say bad things about other musicians. Oh, I don't want to be in the, you know, I'm sick of getting um, slagged off by other musicians and undercutting this and that. But I've not found that in Liverpool at all. I found sort of the singer and musician community to be really close-knit. I've never had any bother with anyone being like that. So it's been nice. I think they've helped me a lot. Other singers helped me a lot. 
when I was first starting them. Yeah, it sound, from well, yeah, from what you said, it sounds like there's quite a bit of a community, um, which is great. And I, I don't know if that's the same everywhere, but you know what? Maybe not. I think Liverpool's quite a unique place. Um, I can imagine it's not quite like that in London. No, maybe not. Um, yeah, I think the key is to be nice. If you go in being so full of yourself, I think people will automatically take a dislike to you. So if you, if you're nice and you work hard. That, I mean, from, from every um, episode I've recorded so far, I think literally every single person has always said, be be a nice person yeah. at, when you're doing your gigs. Be be professional and, yeah, just be a good person and, and people will book you again. Like. Oh, absolutely. I've heard some terrible stories, you know, people getting drunk during the gigs and all sorts. And I think you've got to realise that you are going there and it is a job. Yeah. You are being paid to do that job. All right, everyone else is having a laugh and they're having a drink and that, that's fine. That's their night out. You are there to do a professional job and you need to act as such. Look professional, have good equipment. Someone told me when I started out, get the best equipment that you can afford. So when you're starting out, if you can't afford much, get the best that you can afford at that time. And then gradually, as you get more money, just upgrade it until you have got the best that you can afford. And it does work because it, it sounds better. You sound better than people want you to do. And what equipment is, are you talking PA, microphones, cables and that sort yeah. of thing? Yeah, 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 yeah. All that type of stuff. So that's, I mean, yeah, that took you up to COVID, right? Um, so you say you had your little boy during COVID as well. <laughs> yeah, it did, yeah. That is, is that sort of like a blessing because you didn't really have to take as much time off because you, you couldn't work anyway? Oh, yeah, it was great timing. I had a great time. <laughs> you shouldn't say that about pandemic, should you? Yeah. But, you know, I got pregnant in the May. So what? Uh, we got locked down. It was the end of March. I got pregnant in the May. But it was the first time in years, like after grafting constantly, that I sat down and had a minute. You know, like and it, it was nice. And I had morning sickness and stuff, so it was nice not having to get up for work to, you know, if I had a normal job, say I'd have to get off the work, get more than sickness, go to work. And even being pregnant, big pregnant belly, lugging speakers and stuff wasn't ideal. So um, it worked out well that I was pregnant during COVID. Um, but then I was, I was grateful to go back as well when it was my time to go back. Because for me, like, singing is like oxygen. Like, I need it when I'm sad. I want to sing, you know, it's like that release of emotion and stress and it's just, I think it's just built in, yeah, if, you know, if you're meant to do it, you're meant to do it and that's how I function is singing. Just a quick break for an advert. Top musicians use Gigio to manage their bookings and admin. It's an easy to use web-based software that takes care of your inquiries, contracts, invoices, payments, and reports. It generates professional PDF contracts in seconds and allows your client to agree them quickly online and conveniently. It will even automatically update the diary on your phone. Read what other top musicians say about Gigio right now and take a free 30-day trial at getgigio.com. That's G-E-T-G-I-G-G-I-O.com. So um, how how was it going back after? We haven't really mentioned COVID at all um, on any of the episodes yet, but how was it going back after? Did you did you struggle? Because I mean, a lot of venues must have closed um, and everyone's fighting for the same gigs, I imagine. Um, I didn't really struggle 
with fighting over gigs with people, some venues sadly did close down. Um, some venues lost people with, during the pandemic, which is really sad. Um, a lot of places couldn't afford to have artists again, which was sad. Places tried to cut fees because they wanted acts, but they couldn't afford the usual fee. Um, yeah, it was hard. Um, but I don't think it was hot. It was hard as I imagined it was going to be. I thought it was going to be a lot worse. It was the same last January with all the costs of living when, you know, all the gas and lecky and everything was going up. I thought it was going to be a lot worse than what it was. And, you know, it's, it's been all right since then. It wasn't anywhere near as bad as I anticipated. Places just powered on. They haven't got much choice, I don't think. Well, yeah. Um, do you do you, you think things have picked up uh, now since, well, since the start of the year anyway? And there seems to be a lot of work going around at the moment, to be honest. I'm getting a lot of messages at the moment. Steph, are you free Friday, are you free Saturday? And I'm already booked. But there does seem to be a lot a lot of work going around. So I think that's good. I think it's a good sign. Yeah, definitely. How um how do you balance having uh, a young a young little boy and gigging? Because that those schedules don't really match up, I imagine. No, they don't. It's hard. So he uh, he is nearly three, be three in February. So obviously I spend the entire day with him from whatever time he wakes up in the morning. And then sort of when it's time for him to go to bed, I go to work. Then I'm getting in late at night and getting up early in the morning. And I used to balance it by having a nap with him in the afternoon, but he's stopped napping now. So <laughs> it's a bit unfortunate. But at the moment he's having big lions, so I'm enjoying that. But um I have a nanny when he goes to when I go to work. Um this nanny, she's amazing, comes and looks after him. Um and she's really good. I've had her since I went back to work after I was pregnant. So since like he was he was about nine months old, she's been with us and she's literally like my lifeline. But that's how I do it. But again, I have I have to pay it. So I have to factor that into my fees, you know. You think, well, how far is it? I'm gonna be out the house to say, well, what, eight hours or something? So then she gets a wage. And what am I left without after that? Is that sustainable? So it's hard. There's some gigs I'd love to do. And then after it, I'm going, it's not worth it. Or as I said before, I do it and think, why did I even get out of bed? You know, it wasn't worth me doing. But it is what it is. I suppose, you're t- yeah, t- time is more valuable now, isn't it? Yeah. Like, um, and do, do you tend to stick closer to Liverpool now rather than going further away? Yeah, I mean, there was a stage... Because of that, I suppose you don't want to be travelling too much. When I moved back from Mallorca, I would go more or less anywhere. I mean, obviously, the, the fee had to be right, but I would travel. But now I can't do that travelling. I tend to say about an hour's radius. But even now, you know, I prefer to just stick local. But then sometimes there's amazing venues that you think, I, I will travel for that. You know, it's just hard to say. It's a business. You'd have to work it out. You can't just do it all on passion. Because otherwise, you don't make any money. Do you um do you only do solo stuff? Do you ever do um anything with a band or any duo stuff or anything like that? Oh, you know what? I would absolutely love to be in a band or a duo. Um, I think it'd be so much fun. But the money I find isn't in it unless you're doing sort of like wedding type stuff. Your local pub 
who have this budget, you know, say they pay so much for a solo, that isn't doubled for being a duo or, you know, quadrupled for being in a band. They just have that set budget, I find. So you can split less between two or you can stay on your own and have more. And I think that's sort of the unfortunate thing about it. But I don't... For the, for the passion of it and the buzz, I'd absolutely love to do something, even if it was maybe a hobby once my lad gets that bit older. I'd love to do something like that. I think it's a different vibe entirely. Um, you get to bounce off each other. Sometimes being on your own is so lonely. If you know, you're in the car traveling on your own, you're unloading on your own. And especially when the gig's going like rough, you know, some places you could be Freddie Mercury himself and they wouldn't like you. You know, they're just, they're not on side and you really have to try and win them. And it's always nice when you think, I wish I had someone with me to bounce off. But I enjoy what I do. You know, there's more good gigs than bad gigs. But yeah, maybe as a hobby, but as uh, making a career out of it, I don't think I'll be in a duo or a band. And as well, on top of it, is when you're in a duo or a band, you've got other people's politics as well. You've got the disagreements, you've got... I'm not well, you've got the babysitters cancelled. So, you know, if your singing partner cancels, then what do you do? It's hard, isn't it? You know, you have to find those people that you can trust and that are reliable. And I think it's easier said than done because not everybody treats it as that business and that profession and carries it out to that professional level. Yeah, definitely makes sense. Obviously it's doable. I mean, people do it, but for me, it's I think it's a bit too much too stressful i like to be able to know that i trust myself <laughs> you know i definitely feel you on the uh, being just being self-employed um is uh it can be quite lonely kind of yeah. um but i feel like that was kind of a good segue you sort of mentioned some of the work some of the bad gigs there so to the um part of the show which is your best gigs and your worst gigs just some some funny stories that you've got um without uh insulting any of your uh, your clients obviously <laughs> I've been thinking about it, and I think I've done that many that not really stick out as being the best or the worst. I mean, some of the best ones have been in Mallorca, and I think purely because of some of the scenery, like the scenery and places where they've sang. They've sang in like mountains and on top of like gorgeous hotels with amazing views. Um, when I was on tour in Sweden, we were singing in this place. And there was four of us there. There was uh, myself as Adele. There was a lady as Tina Turner, a guy as Elvis, and another guy as Roger Stewart. And that was so much fun. Like the gigs, you felt like a superstar. And because we, we were singing in this like small place called Helsingborg in Sweden, and you'd walk around Helsingborg and you were like a celebrity. It was, <laughs> it was great. Um, I really enjoyed those gigs. Um, there's a place to do in the Southport at the moment once a month and there's such a really good buzz as well. You know, you come off and you're like, this is why I do this. You know, every now and then you get those gigs and you go, this is why I do it. Um, in terms of bad ones, um, I've not had any like terrible disasters. I got to one one time in Mallorca in a place called Sawyer, which was through the mountains and got there and my microphone wouldn't work which was terribly embarrassing because <laughs> I couldn't do the gig without a microphone. Uh, other ones, it's just been, you know, 
people just not interested and it's just soul destroying like you're singing to yourself you don't clap at the end <laughs> um what else have i done last last weekend i did a gig and i was sitting in my dressing room i won't name the place but i was sitting in my dressing room and the compare was on stage and normally like when you do the social club gigs you kind of go in not slow but more slow in the first set and then you like your second set like a party set like you know like that's when you do all your big numbers and the compere sang a few songs before i was due to go on stage went in with these massive numbers straight away she was absolutely amazing and then i was just backstage like i've got to follow this <laughs> She's like a superstar, and I'm like, oh no, how am I gonna follow this now? Um, so it wasn't a terrible, it wasn't like a bad gig. It was just she was that good that I was just like ashamed to go on stage. <laughs> yeah, it's just you take a must become. There's probably loads of stories, but I think I've done yeah. that many gigs now. I forget half of it. So go back to marketing a little bit again. Um, yeah. These days, um, I think you've already said, but you're sort of 50-50 split between agencies and getting your own gigs. And that's basically um, people that you've, you've already worked with, right? Um, is there anything else you're doing at the minute to sort of market yourself apart from social media? Um, business cards. I always carry business cards. So you find people at gigs coming up to you. Oh, can, you know, can I have a business card? And for ages, I didn't have any. And then I was like, you know what, I'm going to have to get some. So I got some, and um, I give them out, and that does get get you the work. And sometimes it's not even straight away; it could be six months, a year down the line. And uh, people go, "Oh, do you remember I met you in such and such a place?" And you know, you give me a number or whatever. We're looking for entertainment here, there, or whatever. So it does work. It's worth carrying them. Um, other than that, it's like if you're passing a bar, if you go into a bar for a drink or anything, just go introduce yourself. Say, "I'm a singer." Here's my card. If you ever need someone um yeah well for me a lot of it's social media but i think that's just the thing of the times you know sort of back in the day people would go around wouldn't they with their promo packs and go into places and introduce themselves and that was the main way of doing it or the agencies but now you've kind of got the world at your fingertips and social media so that's where a lot of it is yeah, awesome. I know you you said you don't have a website. Um, is there any reason you don't have a website or you just don't think you need one or you want one but just haven't done it yet? I think websites are a bit of a thing of the past for me. Um, a lot of people do just use social media now. I've had websites in the past and then it was like keeping up with it, you know, <laughs> remembering to update it and stuff. Behind you, you know, if you go to that thing, that type of stuff, then it's, it's it's cool. It's a good as a resource, but I don't know how many people actually look up singers on a website. I don't know, do they? Yeah, I mean, I've I've had a fifty, I think a fifty fifty split with people that say they're great and you need you definitely need one, and then other people that say you just just don't need one again. Thing of the past. I'm on the side of the fence where I think that you should have a website. I think it's just a place to to keep keep all your stuff. And I know social media does that as well, but it's yours. If social media for whatever reason decides to go away, because um, that does happen. Um, things things disappear at times um instagram won't be a thing forever then then you still got your your website where, where with all your videos your whatever you, whatever you've got on there you know um so i do think they're important True enough, but people get locked out their websites <laughs> as well <laughs> yeah yeah i guess that is an uh, is a possibility um 
but yeah, so I, I, I mean, yeah, I'm definitely on the side of the fence where I think they are important, but I think it just a I mean, anything you can do. Yeah, yeah. Again, it's all, it's all it's, this big marketing pie. That's a rubbish analogy, but um, yeah, it's loads, loads of little things is what you need to be doing. I think um, social media is definitely a big part of it. Yeah, but I, I mean, I, you know, it's about generations. A lot of the older generation might not use social media. Um, you need to try and cater to everyone, I suppose. But I think I don't know. I just I've had websites before. I haven't really found it beneficial, so I just kind of sacked it off, I suppose. You know, I'm on TikTok. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. I'm on YouTube. I'm on. There's enough resources if you wanted to find me that you could crime watch. <laughs> I'm not been on crime watch. <laughs> um, so this might be a bit of a curveball, but. Um what if if uh you were just starting out or just to anyone who is just starting out what do you think would be like some good tips for people um as i said before about the equipment get decent equipment as best as you can afford it doesn't have to be you know massively expensive but just do your research even if you buy second hand better stuff do you know what i mean you can get like better stuff second hands than perhaps you could get brand new for the same price um learn a lot of songs so i've experienced it when i've seen people and they can do their two forty-five minute sets and not been outside of that so if someone asks for a request or anything they get you stuck for me i thought i found it really important to learn a lot of songs and to learn them well um and just constantly be learning I think it's really important just to constantly learn and better yourself. So, like, I will put music on in the car, like on the Spotify, and constantly just learning new things. Um, I think you have to. You just—it's not one of those careers that's static. You're constantly moving and changing and updating. Um, and for me, like, as I said before, I made myself a brand, and I think it's a good thing because a lot of people, you know, they say get stage fright. And they say, do that. Oh, imagine the audience naked, that type of thing. Well, for me, it helps to be a character on stage. That is what helped me. So I go out in my pretty dresses and my hair done. And for that moment, I am that character. Do you know what I mean? So I think that could be a helpful thing for some people. Um, What else would I say? Yeah, be nice to people, as we said before. If you go in with this big ego, people will just go, I don't like them. And they won't use them. You know, if you are likable, people have you back. The amount of places I've been to, and they said, we've got you because you're funny. <laughs> you're funny on Facebook. It's like unbelievable. I don't think half of them have even heard me sing. They just think I'm funny. You know, I think it does help just to be nice. Um, have a bit of character about you. Uh, no, no big egos. Dress smart. Uh, realistic expectations. Um... Can't think what else. I probably say all the time. Don't undercut people. Yeah, don't undercut people. Yeah, just be nice. Like you say, the Liverpool singers, we've got a WhatsApp group and we put all sorts and they get down Saturday guys in such and such a place if anyone wants it. Right. Is anyone and then, you know, if things have gone bad for somebody in a certain place, we'll discuss it in there and the rest of us know, right, then we'll not go in there if they're gonna behave like that. And we take a stand with each other. You know, there's a there was a place 
in Liverpool saw an advert for the other week and the fees that they were offering were abysmal. So we all applied for the job and all stated what our fees were to try and give this guy an idea of what realistically the fees should be. Because if all if people start going out for 50 quid for doing two hours work, then where does that leave the rest of us? You know, we don't want those low fees to become the norm. You know, yeah, I mean, it's the same in any industry. It does, and it, and it, but like you said earlier, um, when you're just starting out and you want as many gigs as you can get, and you just want to get out there, and 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 that's the way to meet people. Yeah, you do kind of just take what you can get, I guess. But yeah, it help it. Well, it hurts the, the industry and, and everyone else. I think it's a tough one for newbies because when you go out, you can't exactly charge the same as somebody who's been doing it for 10, 20 years. Do you know what I mean? You you can't go in at that when you're inexperienced, but at the same time, I think if you go in low, it will be very hard for you to up your prices. So if you're going in cheap and places have got you, then suddenly you go, all right, well, my fees have gone up now to X amount. They'll go, hang on, well, that's a massive increase. And, you know, it becomes difficult for you then because you get put in that bracket of charging cheap and it becomes very difficult to then up your fees. So I think it's about finding a balance. Um, is that I think that is really hard to do. But then, do you do you um even now do you still up your prices like once a year or anything like that, or do you kind of stick the stick the same? Um, I opened my prices last year because like cost of living has gone up, inflation oh, goes yeah, up, like uh, everything has gone up. So you, your prices surely have yeah, to reflect of course. that a bit. And um, the problem is a lot of, a lot of places don't want to increase because they're going yeah well. You know, you put your money up, but our breweries have put their prices up as well. And that's the thing. But, mate, I've been charging the same for 10 years. You know what I mean? You know, my a lot of people's fees haven't changed since the 90s. You know, it's it's that obvious. I haven't been uh, in the scene that long. But I know that a lot of people were earning even possibly more in the 90s than they are now. Um, It's really hard. I mean, obviously, yeah, I, I would like to put my fees up massively. But... Would I get it? That is the problem. Some places be saying, well, thanks, but no thanks. Do you know? Um, it depends. Some places, you know, say before, like on the travel, if I'm traveling, obviously I'm going to have to charge more. Um, I think we work out a baseline. So, like, how much do I want to walk away from from this for me? And then add your costs on top, you know, your fuel and whatever else and try and your time wait for out from there do you ever lose gigs because you've gone in too high or um the odd place has gone sorry but that's not within our budget i said right well what's your budget then you know i'll see if i can work with you a bit if there's a bit of wiggle room um and sometimes there's just no way too low you've gone in way too low and you just have to say well thanks very much and good luck you know I, you can understand it because some places, if they can only fit 15, 20 people within their little micro bar, then they're never going to make enough money over the bar to pay you as well. You know, yes. And then some places are absolutely dead and you're thinking, God, you know, how are they going to pay me? You know, I had a place the other week and they said, literally, there's not enough money in the till to pay you. So, well, unfortunately, you're going to have to. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> like, because, 
some places are just they can't afford the big fees so there needs to be a place for them as well or maybe they could go in with some students or you know something like that instead so is there anything that we haven't discussed that you'd like to discuss if you've got any plans for for next year to um sort of grow your business or anything like that um every year just ends up different you know i, th- I think that's the, the magic thing about being a musician is you never quite know where you're gonna end up who you're gonna meet what type of gigs you're gonna be doing you know it could be monday and i'll think my weekend's gonna go one way the weekend coming and then ends up in completely different places where i never imagined to be meeting all these different people i think that's the exciting thing about it um my goal this year is to take my own advice that I've just given you and to be more set with knowing me worth, um, sticking to things a bit more, like fees, stuff like that, being a bit more stubborn, and not traveling as far. Yeah. I just, um, you know, every year I'd like to do new things. It's hard because my ambitions for my career were a lot different before I had my son and I wouldn't change having my son but I have had to sort of adjust my expectations a little bit you know before I, I'd travel I'd go abroad a lot uh, I'd do you know fly into places so I had to go to Denmark for the weekend to do gigs and stuff like that whereas that's not really realistic anymore um just constantly just trying to do little bits to make myself bigger and better and just happy and not go to those places that I can't stand doing. I think that's a bit unfair. There's not many places that are like that. Um, but just try and keep it like good vibes only, really. You know, enjoy myself more. It's hard. Because you want the money, but, <laughs> you know. Um, awesome. So if people wanted to find out a bit more about you or wanted to connect with you, where would you send them? I would send them to my social media pages. So I am on twitter or x should we call it uh instagram tiktok facebook or there's steffi lorena so s-t-e-f-s-i-l-o-r-e-n-a perfect um well thank you so much for coming and have a chat with me i think um there's been some really good stuff in here um oh, pleasure. Thanks that hopefully me. people can uh, learn from and grow their businesses yeah oh i hope so it's a it's a magic industry to be in not the easiest but it's magic once you're in it you know I wouldn't want to do anything else um, awesome well thanks so much have a great Christmas and New Year and you thank you very much and um, yeah hopefully we'll catch up at some point next year oh yeah absolutely and we'll see where we are then eh so there we go another episode in the bag i really hope you enjoyed our conversation um as usual i just want to remind you that i would love to hear from you i love getting emails from you so please keep them coming um let me know what you're enjoying or not enjoying i am always on the hunt for guests as well so if you think you would be a great guest or if you know someone you think would be a great guest then please get in touch the email address is feedback at the full-time function musician podcast.co.uk which i know is a bit of a mouthful so you can also use contact at infocus recording company.co.uk which is my business one um, or you can just dm me on instagram which is at infocus recording co that's a co on the end there um, that's about it from me so i'll catch you next week for episode seven